very interesting subject uh, uh, we will be looking at today, you know, so I don't know deliberately or purposely Dan gave me this portion, you know, so because I'm talking about money and especially uh, talking to the rich. So, um, so please bear with me. So uh, rather than having some preconceived ideas, what does it mean by to be rich? Uh, we will go through the scripture. And there, there are some PowerPoints. Oh, Isaac, don't come here. These are very suspense, you know. Okay, don't spoil it. <laughs> See, he saw, I think he read through my uh, uh, slides and he's so excited, you know, so that's why. <laughs> calm down, calm down. <laughs> okay, 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verse 17 to 19. Uh, don't worry about the uh, different uh, versions. Uh, uh, most of the time I'll be sticking with the NIV. Sometimes I'll jump to um, ESV. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they take hold of the life that is truly life. So, that's the uh, passage we will be mainly looking at. In order to uh, understand what is actually meant by that passage, we will go through different portions from the Bible. Um, so I like to divide this uh, uh, today's preach into small, uh, uh, you know, two different portions. One is uh, in the uh, through identity, through uh, seeing money through our identity, and the other way we are going to see is through generosity. There are 500 verses relating to the topics of faith and prayer, yet 2,350 verses that deal with the subject of money. Jesus spoke more than 60% of his parables are related to money. So that shows if there is a repetition of a subject in a specific book, in the whole book, Coming back again and again and again, that means we can't just avoid that. This is a serious subject. Why is that? Because God knows that our attitude towards money is an indication where our heart is with God. And we will either follow gold or God. We cannot serve God. Two masters. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. <laughs> it's impossible. Even if we come up with lots of arguments, lots of ideas, it is a definite, true statement Jesus made. You cannot serve two masters. Before we think about money a bit more deeper, I'd like to invite you to a wonderful place. Are you happy to join that place? When it comes to money and possession, you should consider this couple. They worked, they rested also. They were living in the most beautiful location in the world. Who doesn't like to live in this place they were? 
The garden looks amazing. Everything is organic. Hallelujah. Pure water to drink. They had beautiful breakfast every day with the blueberries and yogurt and honey. And milk. They drank organic milk. They never carried credit cards as they asked. Everything was provided or available or supplied or produced. No plastic, no pollution. Every day was perfect. Don't ask me where. Their every day was filled with joy and great relationship, love, and purpose. When you and us look at their marriage, we wonder, wow, what a marriage they have. But one day, one act of disobedience spoiled everything forever. Listening to one voice Distrusting God's voice and believing a lie. One single act of disobedience changed everything. What was that? God said to Adam and Eve, I am your everything. Then suddenly someone else from outside came and said, no. You need something else to get the real satisfaction. You need God plus something. You need this more. Or you need to break the boundaries to enjoy the freedom. But this, when they crossed, we all know that was a sad, tragic story. <laughs> Sometimes we think, Oh, I'm, yes, it is, you know. Poor Adam and Eve. We're trying to sympathize or kind of see the picture from a long distance and see, I can see that that happened, you know. But many times, we are like that. We are not away from their deceptive, the way they fell. We are very close to the lies of the enemy in our everyday life. Because this voice will always again and again talk to us. Don't listen to God. He's not our security. You need something more than that. The world will say money is the safety and the security. I like Kamal Ahmad. Uh, you might know. So he's a BBC. Um, uh, he's, a, he's a financial business reporter. You know. So uh, when he comes and uh, uh, talking about the austerity is going now. That means more spending. You know, that's his favorite word, you know. That means more spending. More spending. We are coming out from recession. How do you know that? People are spending. So that's the definition of money and wealth, whether you're rich or poor. How we see money through the worldly perspective is, is very destructive and distorted. So we need to start from the very, very beginning. That's the foundation. At the center of the universe is God. 
with incalculable glory. He is the creator, supplier, sustainer, and the existence of the whole world, even now, is done by His grace. This perspective should shape or reshape how we are going to handle money. Life is not about our purpose. It's not about our plans. It's not about our ways and dreams. But it's ultimately, it's a gift to glorify His name. For His pleasure. For His plan. For His glory. For His kingdom. And we belong to Him. Our money belongs to God. Every single penny in your account is God's money. It's a blessing from God. Our money problem is viewing money in isolation without the fundamental gospel perspective. When we are dealing with money, we keep it separate. You know? But when Jesus prayed, he prayed, our Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us our daily bread. It's not something spiritual and physical hidden separated. In his prayer, it's all included. Everything for a child of God is spiritual. There is no separation. There is no Monday and Sunday. You know, everything part of God's plan and God's kingdom. Reading a good book budgeting, even giving to good causes, even volunteering won't deal with the fundamental issues like seeing money as our savior. <coughs> our serious money problem anyone could have is not debt or rich, but worship or self-glory. That is the problem. Sometimes we think, oh, money problem is too much money. Money problem is no money. Oh, the, oh, this is lack of budgeting. No, the real root issue is worship. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. You cannot worship two masters. Either you worship God or you worship mammon or money. So the fundamental serious problem is worship or self-glory. I said I'm talking about the identity. Sometimes our identity can be driven through our house, what we wear, what we drive, where we shop, how we look, our holidays, our ring and watches, the location we live, the, the, the school our children study, and the extracurricular activities they involve. It's all suddenly think, yeah, I'm doing good. When I'm saying I'm doing good, I'm comparing with someone else. So that means it's like a Pharisee, you know. God, look at me. I'm giving to the poor and everything. Look at me, how I'm maintaining my budgeting, you know. I wish they could follow my thoughts and patterns and ideas, you know. They could be in a better place. Even though we are not saying that, it can be something self-exalting. I didn't say anything about them, but look at me. The way I deal with money. Our attitudes towards spending money, my money, sometimes my money. 
my salary, my hard work. I deserve it. I have the right to use it. It's my choice because it is my money. But still, I give to the poor. It's my, still, I buy a sandwich for the guy sitting outside the Tesco. Still, I'm so compassionate to the guy sitting next to the waitress, especially when you're walking through the, uh, you know, the under, underpath. You know, I always smile at him. You know, so don't just underestimate me what I'm doing. Still, I will do whatever I want with my money, but I'm a compassionate person. And always I eat and drink fair trade things, if possible. I always go to the ethical shops, what I wear. So these all are tick box, because I'm good with money. Not only that, I give tithe. I give to the church. All these things are good, but this, this doesn't guarantee you money sanity. We can completely miss the deep-rooted issue of money by thinking how wonderful I am rather than seeking God's heart in our everyday life, thinking, God, this is your gift. I'm a steward. Give me your grace to use money for your glory. You can sit here and scratch your head, goodness me, what a Sunday morning. Or you can think, thank God, thank you for speaking to me. <laughs> you can go with the two different attitudes. These are identity issues. I can do a charity run. I can work with the refugees and asylum seekers. I can advocate clean air. I can recycle plastic. I can always eat things and do good things. So this gives things sometimes I see as I'm very good with money. Again, money issue is not nothing to do with the rich or poor. It's a heart issue. Some of us are living with the guilt feeling and false humility. They don't go for a good holiday. They don't wear nice clothes. Because what others think, you know. Even though they got money, they don't do that. Because of guilt and shame, you know. Because I want to make sure that I'm presenting myself as a good Christian so that I don't spend my money. It doesn't mean that you are free from money problems. It is a problem. <laughs> because your heart is not God, what others think. Or sometimes... You can be so judgmental. Oh, I can't believe that they bought that car. When two people in our church, they are in job seekers elements. Don't lift your hands if you thought that way, you know. We can have so judgmental towards other people. And we can think, I'm poor, why people are not helping me? Rather than thinking, what can I do with my blessing to someone 
weaker than me. So we always change our glass of the rich glass when we are looking people richer than us. We put the poor glass when we are putting poor than us. We always switch this glass. Our attitude or money issue is a heart issue. This is all part of the way the world is building the identity around us. John Piper put it this way, money is dangerous. If you have it and depend on it, it will kill you. <laughs> if you don't have it and you crave it, it will kill you. <laughs> money can kill us because it reveals our heart. Sometimes people think money is a bad thing. No. God spent time with Abraham. He was a rich guy. He's a billionaire. <laughs> Jesus spent with the poor of the poorest and the rich of the richest. He spent time with all sorts of people. Money is not the problem. Heart is the problem. How do you deal with the money? Money problems are not problems of luxurious malls or even having expensive clothing. This is nothing to do with how many credit cards are in your wallet. You can have money problems even when you are poor. That means money problem is a hard issue. Only God can restore that area. Budget will tell you, be careful with the money. But Bible will tell you, be prayerful with money because God is the sender. God is the sender. There is a wonderful story in the Bible, the big brother and the, or the, the, the small brother or the prodigal son story, the famous story. You know, so we, even though the Bible didn't say that, we always call it a prodigal son story, even though that is not the, son, the story of the prodigal. It's the, the story about the father. If you look really close, you know, if you want to have a good go through that, uh, that story, please, you know, see, it's a good book, you know, the, it, it's uh, Jesus through the Middle East nice, you know, by uh, Kenneth Bailey, you know, he put that in a Middle Eastern context, That's a, he, he was really good in that one, so, um, so he, he was telling this one, you know, so, so uh, even Tim Keller also, uh, he wrote about a book about that, The Prodigal Father, so the bigger brother or the elder brother was in the house, and the younger brother was in the house. They both were enjoying, inverted comma, with the father and everything. One morning, the guy, the younger brother, he needed the stuff so that he feel the identity. He feel secure. He feel free. He feel liberated to have the freedom to spend. So what he did? He gathered things, he gathered things, he gathered things. When everything is in his pocket, he felt, he got it now. I'm free now. We can be like that, you know. If I have this one, if I have a house, if I have a car, if I have this one, if I have this one, if I have this one, it's my problem, you know. When I get 1,000 pounds or 10,000 pounds, suddenly the list of to-do things will get bigger and bigger. Goodness me, it just appeared. Oh, I need to fix that one. I need to fix that one. Then I think, oh, it's not enough. When that money was not there, I was not even thinking about that. When the money is here, whoo, then I need to think about how can I get five more grand 
to fix that. When I get that five more grand, there is another 10 more grand needed. It is an ongoing issue in our heart. Only God can do that. So the younger brother took everything for freedom. The older brother stayed in the house with a grumpy heart, looking at everything he owns by thinking, I wish if I had that one. I wish if I had that one. I wish if I had that one. In both cases, they were completely lost. One lost outside, the, the other one lost inside. They were looking for the stuff, not for the father. But the father said, it's yours. It's yours. God wants to remind us this morning, you don't need to accumulate things things over the top, like this world, it belongs to you because the Father in heaven, He's so pleased to give you with good gifts. And this scripture says, He has given you everything to enjoy. We will come back to that scripture uh, at the beginning later. You know, if, you, if you go to that one, I command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is, uh, which is so uncertain. That's why God is saying it, is, it's, it won't sustain. But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Can you say that word, everything? everything. For our enjoyment. Okay, that, the problem is there. What does that mean by enjoyment? The definition of enjoyment for this world is completely this broken one. But here, command them to be good. How can you enjoy your wealth? Through doing good. Through sharing. Through giving. Through remembering the poor. That's the way you enjoy what God is giving to your life. Let's go to generosity side. I'd like to ask Ellie to come and uh, read from uh, Luke chapter 12. Or maybe, oh, can I borrow this? Yeah. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich to, to all God. Thank you. Brilliant. Okay, Isaac, you're relieved now. You can show the PowerPoint. He's happy now, you know. <laughs> I like to go the story of the rich fool and two Timothy, uh, one Timothy hand in hand. 
Okay, so that will help you to go a bit more deeper. On Timothy chapter 6 says, I command those who are rich in this percentage, do not be arrogant. They, I use the word, uh, that's the ESV word, don't, not to be haughty, if I, my pronunciation is correct. Still Indian, you know, okay? So, and the next thing, not to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches. So if you look at the, the, the story of the rich fool, verse 15, then he said to them, Jesus is talking to the people, watch out, be on your guard, all kind of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That's the story Jesus is talking to a guy who came and Jesus, I have a problem with my brother, can you sort it out? The response from Jesus was not nice. He called him a man. That means it's a bit harsh. It's not nice. Who put you us in charge of dealing with your wealth and kind of things? You know? he then he told him this story. Not to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches. Why? Wealth is fleeting and accumulation is dangerous. This guy is trying to say, can you deal with this issue so that I can have my position? Uh, my position. But Jesus responds, what? Watch out. Be on your guard. Against all kind of greed, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Full stop. People think the more you get, the more they feel secure. But Jesus said, that's not the case. Let's go to the next slide. But on God... Focus on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. What did this guy do in Luke chapter 12? The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Did he do anything much? No. <laughs> Did he went to the farm and did... No, I don't think so. He is a, he is a certain man. He led an abundance. Who gave this abundance? God gave this abundance. What he owns is from God. He just uh, accumulated it. Or he just got it. It is given. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? In Timothy, it says... They are to do good. Jesus said, give to the poor. Give to the needy. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Generosity is a hard issue. Can you see that? Where he is thinking, what can I do next with my money, even though it was given. Verse 19, in chapter 6, the storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. That's in Timothy says, you know, so Paul was encouraging the church, store up treasure for themselves. Can you see that word? For themselves, for you. It's not for someone else, 
for themselves as a good foundation for the future. What this rich fool did? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I shall say myself, you have plenty of grain laid upon for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Who is he talking to? To himself. Who is his friend? Him. Himself. Who is chatting with? He's WhatsApping to himself. He's tweeting to himself. He's having an email to himself. He's having a group meeting to himself. He's heading the meeting. He's planning the meeting. It's all about I, my, mine. Bigger bonds, bigger things, it's here. In a Middle Eastern culture, I think it's very different from Western point of view. You know, we are so individualistic. We proved again and again and again. In this context, when you have wealth, you discuss with the village leaders. You, especially with families. There's always a conversation among the families. I remember when, when we were building our house, it's from the scratch, from my parents. They didn't just, you know, they, have, they call their uh, uncles and everyone, oh, I want to build this one. Either. Even though sometimes some of the uh, uh, opinions are so, you know, I was so, so ridiculous, but still, you know, so you just gather. I want to build something. What do you think? They might not have a civil engineering degree, but still some of the older people will come and say something profound. Some of the younger people will say, oh, I studied this one recently. This might be a really new technology. Oh, okay. So the, the building of the house is not just your business. It's a communal business. This guy supposed to talk to someone else, but unfortunately, nobody is around to him to talk. Nobody is to take any wisdom. Nobody to, to involve because this is mine. This is everything to accumulating. And he said, I will eat, drink, and me, and be merry. What happened to him? But God said to him in the next slide, You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Why? Demanded? It's mine! How dare you demand my life? Sorry. <laughs> it's God. <laughs> he can demand that anytime because he is the giver of life. He is the one shower rains, rain over rich and poor. He is the one providing for the just and the unjust. He is the sustainer of everything, whether you are a good or bad or rich or poor. He is God because the earth belongs to God. And his, that everything belongs to him. Then who will get you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with who stores up things themselves, but not rich towards God. We will come to that one. What does it mean by rich towards God? Timothy says, 
saw that, they may take hold of that what is his truly life. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. What does it mean by reach towards God or take hold that which is truly life? You know, so in, in Timothy saying, take hold of what it is truly life. Surely it doesn't mean that giving God lots of money because he is bankrupt. No. He got thousands of cattle and mountains and uh, he got everything. He doesn't need that. Doesn't mean that enrich God for credit transaction. No. What does that mean? Count God as your riches, not money. If you are looking around for where to be rich, focus on God. He is your great reward. He is your riches. John Piper put in this very wonderful way. Therefore, next slide please. Oh, Isaac, you are running behind. I think his excitement is gone now. He thought, I'm going to distribute money, you know, that's why, you know, so, okay. Uh, just uh, keep going that one. Surely it doesn't mean that giving God lots of money doesn't mean that to enrich God, but count God as your riches. And the last one, if you are looking around for where to be rich, focus on God. He is your great reward. He is your riches. Next slide, please. Rich towards God, taking hold of what it is true life. John Piper did that. Therefore, laying up for yourself treasure in heaven would be living in such a way as to maximize God as your treasure. Handling your money in such a way as to show that God and not money is your treasure. What a wonderful opportunity we have. Rather than be scared, goodness me, I'm going to make the right decision. Oh, goodness me, oh, how am I going to, after this preach, you know, oh, we spend this one. Rather than get panicked, see, is an opportunity God is giving to us to worship Him through money, to exalting Him through money, not for our own satisfaction, but to demonstrate to this world He is the real rich. He is the real treasure. He is the foundation. He is unshakable. I want to use my money for God's glory so that I can prove again and again, I can exalt again and again, He is the real rich, not the money. It's a great testimony. Trusting in money will disappoint you. Who said that? Dan Merton. When we had a conversation last week, you know, so he said this one, you know, I thought, that's punchy one, you know. <laughs> so he said, uh, trusting in money will disappoint. I thought, even though that was a simple one, I felt, that's so, I remember that all week, you know, trusting in money will disappoint you. <laughs> so, trusting in money will disappoint you. But the world will say, no, get more. Get more. Get this one more. Get this one more. Paul's plea is a plea for, next one please, for contentment and simplicity, not for relentless counting or budgeting or price checking. The goal is not to have very little money, but to think very little of money. Because God is the real rich. 
Let's look Luke chapter 12, verse 22, 29, and 32. Luke 12, verse 22, then 29, 23. All, all is going to be on the slide. So uh, just uh, you can look at the uh, screen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. There are four do nots there in that, uh, that passage. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. And verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. The pagans would run after all such things. They run. They run. They run through Amazon. They run through eBay. We all use these things, you know. But we, are, if our foundation is God, we use all things for God's glory. And we will be guided by, you know, God's kingdom perspective rather than security finding in things rather than God. But seek, uh, so for pagans, uh, pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you need them. He knows it even before you pray, even if you talk because he's our father. My sons, uh, they don't need to come and say, dad, tomorrow is Monday, we need some breakfast. Tuesday, we need something for, you know, they don't tell. We provide. We make sure that things are there because we know what they need. They don't come, come and say, you know, oh, tomorrow I need some jumper. You know, no, you, sometimes you forget, but still you know what, what they need, what they need because he's our father. Earthly fathers, they, we remember, mothers remember to provide. Here, God is reminding, I am your father. Seek his kingdom, and, and these things will be given to you as well. Verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Goodness me, I just read that one. That is an amazing scripture, you know. The, the father has pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay, kingdom. I was talking to Dan. Dan, when will I get the depth of that, that word? I'm getting some glimpse of that one. He's, he's, God is saying, the Father is so pleased to give you the kingdom. That means everything. How does he start? Little flock. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out. Treasure in heaven that will not fail. There is no thieves comes and near you more destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Next slide, please. So God is revealing, Jesus is revealing himself as, as a shepherd, as a father, and as a king. Therefore, give, be generous. What should you do to be afraid of? You are not to fear the consequences of giving. That's the fear of this world. If I give, I don't have enough. If I give, I don't have enough. If I give that one, I don't have enough. So self-sustainability or bringing security through not giving. But Jesus is saying, he is your shepherd. He is your father. He is your king. So give. So you have the freedom to give because who God is. You are not to fear 
being without our basic necessity because God knows everything you need. Jesus overcomes their fear by reminding us that we have a good shepherd, a father, and a good king. Therefore, be generous. That's the foundation. This treasure will not be lost. This treasure will not fail. Next slide, please. This treasure will not be stolen. This treasure will not be ruined. Why? Our treasure is God. Let me conclude. We are coming to a God of God of generosity. Generosity. He demonstrated generosity through the creation. Generosity through the covenant he was given to Abraham. Generosity of freedom from slavery for, for Moses and the Exodus. Generosity of his law. Generosity of his promised land and his patience. And incarnation, the generosity of his incarnation, generosity of his cross, and the accepting love, loving us as his children, generosity of his world and his church, and generosity of his daily mercy. I can go on and on and on and on. When you forget the generosity of God, you exist with a sense of entitlement and have a constantly growing list of demands. Ingratitude and disappointment begin to dominate your heart and shape your life. Let me read this last sentence. I'm going to, we are going to pray. The work of grace is a heart change. Only heart change can bring behavior changes in our lasting way. God's grace is the only hope we can have when it's coming to fix our brokenness in the heart. There is no mountain of debt so big than God's grace isn't bigger. There is no money problem pit so deep that God's grace is deeper. You don't need to feel panic or paralyzed. Don't try to deny the fact that we need some help. Let's stand to our shepherd, Father and King. He is our great treasure.